Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. Week 12, a.k.a. survive and advance week across the country, at least for all teams not named Tennessee, has come and gone. Dogs finish 8-0, the SEC slate, and undefeated, headed to uh, face the nerds in Athens this weekend. Um, I'm a broken record, guys, but God dang, it's just a good place to be. It's a good time to be a Georgia Bulldogs fan. Uh, Jason, Lawrence, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving week. Welcome. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. It's good to see you guys again. Um, I will say I watched the Georgia game this weekend, similar to how Georgia played, half-assed. I was down in Savannah for a soccer tournament, so going between uh, going between fields and games, trying to catch the game on my phone, I did watch a little bit of a recap. But this one turned out like a lot of weeks we've seen in the past where the slate of games looks unimpressive and then just chaos starts coming from all angles. So it was a fun weekend of college football. And uh, looking forward to uh, wrapping up the season with the nerd and heading into a, heading into Mercedes Benz for the SEC championship and beyond. Larry, I've got to correct you already. I believe it's called football, not uh, <laughs> as I've got the World Cup on in the side. Uh, not a great slate of games, but it turned out to be really exciting games. It was a really fun day uh, watching football. I started off with TCU Baylor. The uh, cardiac kids from Fort Worth came back and, and ran someone on the field to win, and, and then into the Georgia game, and then the uh, Tennessee South Carolina game. It was funny that the George game was was kind of the, the clunker of all the games during the day. I mean, I, I watched football all day long. It was a great day to do it. Uh, every game came to the end. The Georgia game, I mean, look, I never thought it was in doubt. I didn't like them scoring, Kentucky scoring 16-0 and then going for two and getting that potentially and then making it a one-score game because at that point anything can happen, of course. But, I mean, yeah, we've seen Georgia do this against um, some of the lesser opponents throughout the year. Kirby's just, you know, he's not – He's not going to empty the playbook in these games. He doesn't need style points. That's the benefit of being number one. It's just, as I said, survive in advance. Um, some things did concern me, though. Uh, most most pressing is just the sh- inability to gain the short yards at the goal line. Um, that just seems to rear its head time and time again. We've seen Jalen Carter play that fullback position um, and still you know, not be able to punch in the, in the end zone. So I do think that's a concern. But other than that, move on to the nerds, move on to the LSU, and we got bigger things ahead of us. Yeah, so I'm actually not as concerned because I feel like this was uh, Kirby going back to a little bit of his stubbornness and trying to prove a point to Stoops that he's a more physical team. Um, if we get in that situation, as we saw against Mississippi State last week, you know, we ran a we couldn't get the goal line run, so we ran a great play with Bowers and, and Darnell and got Darnell in the back of the end zone. Munkin's got a pretty creative playbook, and if we need to get that goal line score, we will. I think Kirby was just being stubborn and wanted to shove it down Stoops' throat. He didn't want to open up the playbook at all. I guess we're saving some stuff for LSU and a playoff run. It was just very much a conservative, old-school Kirby game of we're going to run the ball, we want to work clock, and we want to get out of here. It was cold and windy in Lexington. I don't think anyone wanted to be there. I agree with both of you. Rarely do I say that. But we were showing nothing. Um, very conservative play calling. I think they played to the conditions also. They, they kept talking about the wind was swirling. It was 30-mile-an-hour gust. There, honestly. Uh, Jalen Carter, as much as I love him and as dominant as he is on the defensive line, not all that impressed with him on the offensive side of the ball. Um, 
but we got it done. Win in advance. My one thing that I was upset with Kirby about, one, to be hypercritical, and I actually don't think this is hypercritical. I think this is a legitimate complaint, is you kick the field goal there, right? You go up 19 nothing, take three, a three-score game. Instead, we get stuffed. I get it that if you score the touchdown, the game is over, but we get stuffed. They go 99 yards, right? I get trusting your D also, but they went 99 yards and, and scored a touchdown. I never felt – I was never concerned really either, Josh, to echo your sentiment, but, it, you know, it, I clenched a little bit there for a minute. Um, but, again, move, win and move on. Yeah, you know, we had them, we had them pinned on their one or half-yard line twice on the very first series of the game and then late in the game after they stopped us on the fourth and goal. <clears throat> and then they proceeded to move the ball downfield. I mean, they, it seems to me like Levis was just throwing Hail Marys over and over and over again. And their freshman wide receiver, I forget his name, Brown, Varian Brown or whatever his name is, just kept coming down with it. So I think there was a little bit of luck. Um, Stetson versus the wind is probably our biggest obstacle. Uh, and good thing the rest of our games will be indoors the rest of the way. Uh, but he just doesn't fare well in windy conditions. It's interesting that you brought that up because we said the same thing watching it on Saturday. That the weather certainly played a role, as it should in November games. I mean, that's that's part of football. But um, I haven't looked at the the advanced forecast for Athens this weekend. Weather's not going to play, not going to matter playing Georgia Tech. But you're right, Lawrence. Like the next three games are all going to be in perfect weather conditions, and that's just going to kind of a strange setup for Georgia. But I think it helps us. Uh, they certainly didn't have Stetson do do lot do a lot throwing in the wind. To the extent he had a Heisman campaign, it's probably over now, unfortunately, with the numbers he put up. But um thought Kenny Mack filled the stat sheet. I think he is RB1 from this point moving forward. Had, a hun- I think, 150 yeah, yards. It was great. Um, the receivers, no big numbers. But I, I will tell you that just looking at the box score, um, seeing Dom Blaylock's name at the top, regardless of how small kind of the numbers were, brought a smile to my eye. Good, good to see that guy making, making some contributions. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bowers had two catches. Darnell had zero. Still no A.D. Mitchell. McConkie wasn't a big part of the game plan. I will say, even though Milton got stuffed on that fourth and goal, Milton ran to me better than Edwards this past weekend. Um, and so we may start to see a little bit of a battle for that RB2 spot if uh, Milton can uh, come in strong and he's finally healthy. Stett did not play well. He missed Darnell down the sideline on what would have been a touchdown had he, had he thrown a good pass. The 35-yard gainer, which was the biggest pass play of the day, that Don Blaylock easily could have been six the other way. In fact, I thought that that linebacker picked that off. That scared the crap out of me. Um, K-Mac looked great. Uh, yeah, Kenny, uh, Kendall Milton ran hard. I, I'm still uh, prefer- preferable to, to Dejan. We talked about it before. I think Kendall Milton looks like uh, Richard Samuel. He, he just falls a lot. Um, but, but look... I, <laughs> Wait a minute on this weekend. I think probably will be a boring game as well. I would like to, I, and I think this will happen. You're going to see people out there that you have no idea are on the football team. Uh, Cash Money Jones going to be get a get a couple. He of might votes. get it in the first half. Uh, you're going to see people. But that being said, Georgia Tech beat UNC this past weekend. So the last thing I want to say about the Georgia game, then we'll move on to next week is. Uh, you know, seeing Keeler Ringo make that patented interception, I think he's got the uh, trademark on that move. I don't know if that's because he's getting beat and he catches the ball under underthrown or not, but either way, I mean, he's, he's, he, I just love seeing him do that. Uh, Nick Adams is hilarious. He's like, I love Ringo. I mean, I hate Ringo. Then he brings you right back in with an interception. He's got this funny relationship with Ringo. I, well, like, I think the expectations for Ringo were so high. And then he, like, there was that first series of the game where, 
he didn't even make a play on the ball. And then he comes back, makes that great interception, runs it back to midfield. Um, I will say defensively in that game, Georgia did just about everything you need him to do, except for like some of those Hail Marys that Levis was chucking. But I will say, and I think uh, we can get full alignment on this, Chaz Chambliss is a regular in the rotation as a problem. He, uh, he can't contain the edge. He gets beat. Um, you know, I just wish we had a better option right there after Nolan Smith going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Garrett Neal calling me. Hi, Garrett. Uh, at one point in the first half, we had Chaz. We had Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall in as three of our linebackers. That was concerning. Regarding Keely Ringo, he's going to be a top 15 pick. He is 6'2", probably 210. He's built like a safety, runs like a D-back. He does get beat from time to time, but makes great plays. The thing is, we play man coverage pretty much exclusively. So him and Kamari Lasseter are, are out there by themselves. Occasionally they get some help, but all in all, I think they do a really good job. They're going to get beat. When you play man coverage like that, they're, they're going to get beat. But I, I, I love them. And Kamari Lasseter is awesome. And Javon Bullock yep, is agreed. awesome. And we thought there'd be a – you lose Lewis Seen to the NFL last year. Uh, Christopher Smith has been great. Our secondary has been awesome. They've been lights out. I mean, it, it, I was concerned coming into the season. And they've just been – oh, you lose Darion Kendrick, who's playing also. So you lose Darion Kendrick and Lewis Seen, who are both playing – Lewis Seen, unfortunately, broke his leg. But they're both playing in the NFL. And, and we have not missed the beat. In fact, we might be better in the secondary this year. Uh, Javon Bullard coming off the edge. I think he's had three sacks in the last two games. I mean, he's awesome. awesome. They're, they're great. The linebacker is a little bit – the inside linebacker is not that much of a concern. Uh, but but the guys on the edge, you got Robert Beal and, and Chaz. You know, that that's uh, that, that that's a little rough. So hopefully we can get some of them to step up. And, and uh, I know that Marvin Jones Jr. has been playing a little bit. And, um, Michael Williams had a great sack, too. They got called back for hands of the face on Beal, too. But – yeah, these fr- we're going to need a lot from these freshmen, I think, in the in the closing stretch Agreed. of the season. G- Gans is loving the D, no yep. doubt about it. So nice. it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday morning. <laughs> Tuesday morning, the uh, rankings have not come out as of yet. I think that it's pretty safe to say the top four is going to stay as it as it was. No shake up there. I think the big question is going to be who comes in at number five. Um, Tennessee, we mentioned Tennessee. You know they're gone. Um, bye bye. So, you know, it comes down to USC, maybe LSU, maybe Clemson makes a huge jump. What do you all see happening at that five I can tell spot? you who it's not going to be. That'll be friends to the North and Orange. Uh, that made me so happy to, to watch them lose. Uh, I'm sorry, Clay Travis, with, with all due respect, I guess they're not the best team in the country. Uh, I, I would assume probably USC or, or Clemson's back in the hunt, too. I mean, uh, Tennessee losing just opened the floodgates um, for for an ACC champ as well as a Pac-12 champ, which I thought was going to happen the whole time anyway. But one other thing that I think we need to you know examine is if the Ohio State-Michigan game is a good game this weekend and a close game, the loser could potentially get in there also. Yeah. So, so let me let me let me follow back up. Hold on, Lawrence. Let me let me stop you real quick, and then I'll give the give you right back to you. But you brought that up, Gans, about the the loser of that game. I saw the you know that all state playoff predictor. Everybody loves to play with today. There's a 67 percent chance that both Ohio State and Michigan make the top four. So to your point, not only can it happen, but the odds right now say that it's better chance that it will. Go ahead, Lawrence. Sorry. I would say there's probably seven and a half teams that have a chance right now. So usual suspects, Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, USC, Michigan. I would add Clemson. Um, sorry, six and a half. And then LSU with a very outside shot. Um, other than that, 
You're going What's to that? smoke LSU. I, I, oh, I agree, but they, they're, the, my, they're the half that I think has an extremely outside shot. I mean, we could get a little bit of chaos theory going. Like, if USC happens to lose to Notre Dame, if TCU happens to lose in the next two weeks, um, if Clemson loses, like, I mean, what, I mean, what happens? It, 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 then, then I think you get that loser of the Ohio State Michigan game in the playoffs. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting uh, ride. I to think finish. Clemson has a better shot of winning out than TCU does. TCU plays Iowa State this weekend. They will win that game. They will go twelve and zero in the regular season. They've got to play. Can- I believe it's Kansas State in the Big Twelve Championship game. Rematches are weird. Weird things happen. Kansas State was giving it to TCU. TCU came back and, and smacked them in the second half. They could lose that game. Notre Dame is looking decent these days. They started off really shitty at the beginning of the season, but they they've they're a tough team. They could be – in fact, I don't know what the line is. That might be part of Larry's Losers. But um, Notre Dame could beat USC at USC. Then USC is going to have to play in a Pac-12 championship game. I guess I think against uh, – I, 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 The chances of USC winning these next two games, I, I would not put it 50%. I think Clemson will win their next two games. They play the Cox this weekend coming off that – in. And then, uh, and then I believe it's North Carolina, and I think the the air is out of the balloon in Chapel Hill. Clemson, I think, has the easier path of all those one loss teams and win the conference, win their conference. Um, you know, they were they were slated like way way low last week. They got a, a lot of room. They got to move up a bunch to, to jump some teams. But as, as you and Tom agreed upon last week, and which I agree too, I think that conference championships deserve precedent. Uh, or preference, excuse me, over other one-loss teams. So I think right now Clemson has the best shot of getting in. That would be us versus them if we went out, which would be a really fun game in Atlanta. Um, USC be fun in Atlanta too. I mean, Lawrence, I'm, I'm curious if, if USC gets that four spot. What do you see in terms of their ability to travel and bring some fans to Atlanta for a New Year's Eve game? That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know how well they travel. I mean, I, I would. Have we pl- when was the last time Georgia has played them if ever? I don't recall one bit. Um, I know they're obviously got a huge following in Southern California. I don't know if they'd be willing to make the trip to Atlanta, uh, but it sure would be fun to have him here. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley, we fun to see him again in a playoff matchup, and Caleb Williams, who was rumored to uh, be looking at Georgia last year before he made the decision to go to USC. I'd, I'd like to see them in Mercedes Benz. Um, yeah, selfishly, I'd prefer it not to be Clemson because that'll drive up the prices of the tickets. And I'm somewhat of a diva. I won't sit in bad seats or I won't go. So I'd like to be sitting down below. Um, so I'd like to see USC or TCU, um, either one, in in, uh, in Atlanta on New Year's Eve. And hopefully it's the 4 o'clock game. They still haven't announced that, which is idiotic to me because you've got one game in the Eastern time zone and one in the Mountain time zone. Um, and why wouldn't you put the earlier one on the on the East Coast and then the later one? But whatever. Well, last year the East Coast game was us, and we were the right, late games. So. Right, right, which is idiocy to me. I hope it's not the eight o'clock game, but either way, I think I'll be there. So we touched on the Tennessee South Carolina game. Um, it was beautiful to watch. Gans, we're gonna we're gonna give you sixty seconds of uninterrupted time to just talk about it because last week we. Uh, you know, we brought up this this new hatred you have for the Tennessee Volunteers. So, well, here's your moment, man. It's not so much a hatred. It's just there was shine on the turd the whole time. You don't win many games giving up 49 points, right, which they did to Alabama. At home, everything going their way. Good win. Don't want to take anything away from them. However, 
it, it, it was it was so blown out of proportion, and everyone got on this Tennessee bandwagon. And, and Herndon Hooker is a good player. We've gone over this, and the receivers are good players. But that that program has grown. You, their defense is trash, which was obviously exposed this week. Sixty three points, sixty three points, and then the Tennessee people will come back and say, "Oh, well, Herndon Hooker got hurt in the fourth quarter." And that, and last I checked, and, and somebody fact-checked me here, Hernan Hooker doesn't play defense, right? You gave up seven touchdowns to Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer. I, I saw a meme or, or a stat, and I, you guys might have sent it to me. It said, oh, you know, Tennessee's better than Georgia because they played Kentucky better than, than Georgia did. And while, while Tennessee, gave up, Tennessee gave up seven touchdowns to South Carolina, so did Georgia over the past five games. <laughs> it was absolutely atrocious. It was coaching malpractice on, beha- on behalf of Fat Josh Heupel. Maybe he didn't eat this week, and maybe he lost some weight, and that's why he sucked. But what an absolute ass-kicking, and I enjoyed every second of it. We don't have to hear any more about them. Clay, Sha- Clay Travis, go sit in the corner. Uh, so a couple things. Um, one is, I think this is a lesson to all the programs out there. Don't rush the field in the middle yeah. of the season. Act like you've been there before. And two, the Tennessee defense made Spencer Rattler out to look like everybody thought Spencer Rattler was supposed to be when he was a number one overall recruit coming out of high school. Uh, he's been a bum all year, and he threw for what? Was it seven yeah. touchdowns? They scored. The, the meme I saw, which killed me, was um, Tennessee scored the most points against Alabama since, like, 1907, but South Carolina scored the most points on Tennessee since yeah. forever. Um, so it was good to see them get beat. I feel terrible about Hendon Hooker and the ACL. You know, he, he's been a great story all along. I'm rooting for him. I hope he gets back and, you know, gets himself set up and gets drafted. Uh, but, yeah, he, with the, by the time he went down with that injury, that game was already over. Uh, there was a lot of sandstorm being played. Beamer brought his swag, his pit vipers, and uh, it was it was good to see, man. I enjoyed every bit of that. What, wasn't Gann supposed to dress up like Beamer this week? I think I remember him saying that if South Carolina pulls off a victory, he was going to come full Beamer gear. So, um Shame on you, Gans, for not doing that, but there's always next time. I'll add, Lawrence, to to your instructions about not rushing the field. How about don't come up with a 200-page commemorative book halfway through the season uh, talking about how great the season is and what they call it, revivals or something, going ahead and, and you know inking the season four or five games in. Just total clown move. Maybe this should be your Jimbo of the weekend. Yeah, we're, we're jumping ahead. Um, yeah, it, it. I heard another joke. It was like, um, Spencer Rattler's like Santa Claus. He only shows up once a year. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was really fun to watch. I, I, I rolled from that one into the USC UCLA game, which was entertaining. But we would beat the absolute breaks off of USC. It, it, it's it's varsity to, to JV. You can see it in the size of the players. You know, across the board, it, it almost looked like an NFL. You know, it looked like the dogs would be an NFL team against the college team. Uh, so. I feel that way versus Michigan, watching Michigan-Illinois yeah. play, just like last year in, in the yeah. Orange Bowl. It looks the same way to me. It's like, yeah. bring them on. I, I don't care at this point who we play. Everyone says, oh, you know, Ohio State could potentially match up against us. I don't think so. I, I really, yeah, Ohio State's offense is the only thing that I think is cause for concern. I don't think their defense can stop us. Michigan, you know, Michigan actually I think has the lowest strength of schedule out of any teams remaining in the playoff hunt. Uh, they don't scare me. They almost lost to a horrible Illinois team at home, uh, and their star running back is dinged up. So, yeah, bring it on, man. I'm excited. I'm like, let's just go. <laughs> 
Gans, what, what is the uh, background on Sonny Dykes? Because I think I yeah. like him after that crazy finish to the game last week that was absolute chaos. He very calmly walked out to yeah. midfield, did his postgame interview, and was like, this is exactly kind of as we expected. We practiced this every Thursday. We weren't nervous. It might have looked chaos to y'all, but to us it was completely normal. Put me in the camp of Sonny Dykes. No, no, I otherwise. like Sonny Dykes, too. He's got a good story. He's, he's from uh, West Texas. His dad was Spike Dykes, who was the head coach, I believe, at Texas Tech. Uh, Sonny Dykes did not play college football like uh, Mike Leach. He did play baseball, but he didn't play college football. Obviously, grew up with a father as a coach. But he's had a, a weird road to TCU, and I do think they found a good one there. I, I like him as well. He was, I believe, at La Tech and went to mm-hmm. Berkeley, uh, the head coach mm-hmm. at Cal Berkeley. And I read a story. They told him it was like a Tuesday during the season, and he shows up. To, I mean, this is just, if this isn't a microcosm of California and Berkeley in particular, he shows up to practice and on the practice field and they tell him practice is canceled because the band has to practice. They canceled Cal football. football. Can you, what, what, Kirby would literally stroke out at that point. Kirby, Go Bears. Go yeah, Bears. Kirby is getting rid of the track in Athens because he wants to expand. Hey, track team, sorry, go find a new home. This dude had to have uh, practice canceled. So ultimately he was fired from Cal. He ends up at SMU. And uh, had I believe one season at SMU, maybe two, um, and uh, and then TCU takes him. He had coached at TCU before as an assistant, but I think a really good hire. I think he's building TCU. Are, they're they're all in, right? He he's get, gets everything he wants there. Um, you know, nice so nice little program he's building. Nope. Yeah, but I will say there's a fine there's a fine line between the Jimbo of the week and being a uh, TCU hero because had they not got that yeah. kickoff. Um, they would have been. A, I mean, the play calling was just absurd. The fact that they had to run. The yeah, team. no, no, no that, that's true. But it, and and their kicker. I, I watched most of the game. He missed an extra point. Uh, he missed an extra point earlier in the game. I'm like, you're running this guy in to kick. I think it was a 40 yarder or something like that. The dude doinked one earlier in the game. But uh, yeah, I, I I think it'd be easier for these kickers sometimes just run out there and not think about it, not get set up, not have the timeout called, um, and just kick the damn thing. They do it enough in practice. Just go kick it. To your point. Um, well, Once they ran him in, right, you, you saw they ran him in. They did a good job getting them in. I thought Baylor at that point was going to call a timeout. I would have called the timeout. Once you realize they had the time to get it off, you know, they kicked it with five seconds left or something like that. Why doesn't Dave Aranda, who's a weird-looking dude, by the way, why doesn't he call the timeout there? So the other thing, I think Clay Travis may have said, said this as well, that the Baylor team was almost too well-coached. that they, they substituted so quickly that because of the uh, – because of uh, TCU subbing, Baylor could have also subbed that if they would have taken their time a little bit to bring in their um, kick defense, the clock would have. Yeah, run. maybe I, I didn't notice that, but um, but but perhaps. So Lawrence, your boy over at Tech, Brent Key, um, got a good victory over uh, over Lud's Tar Heel. Shout out Lud, uh, appreciate him joining us the last couple of weeks. Um, that's two pretty decent sized wins for Georgia Tech on the road in the ACC. I think he's got a winning record now. Really? Um, that's going to come to a creeping halt. I think he's won. Has he won four games? I could be wrong. Um, I'm not sure what their record is. I know it's not good. They lost a couple of games they probably shouldn't have. Um, well, either way, he's got, he's got at least two. Um, not going to get one this weekend. So take you know, either talk about looking forward to the Georgia game or them beating North Carolina. So I I didn't get to see any of the Georgia Georgia Tech game other than the final score. So I don't know exactly what happened. I know they the um, the 
transfer from Clemson. I forget Panapachan, whatever his name is, him and Zach Gibson, their third and fourth string QBs, both got uh, snaps out there. Um, I think if you come into Athens for some clean old-fashioned hate and you're relying on your third and fourth string quarterbacks coming in against one of the top-rated defenses in the country, you're in for a world of pain. Um, I do like Brent Key. I think he's going to get a shot at that job. Um, he's been good for the culture, good for the program. Uh, did get, got rid of uh, the 404 and Jeff Collins. Um, but, man, we've had a lot of good memories at Georgia-Georgia Tech games over the past 20-some-odd years. It's always a good game, and it's always fun. Yeah, I mentioned one time previously I shook Evander Holyfield's hand outside there, and my hand got pregnant. That's <laughs> still one of the greatest lines of all time. Yeah. Uh, so um, let me fact check myself. Uh, he he's three and three at Georgia Tech, but he has a winning record in the ACC. So maybe that's what I what I saw. But agree, the Georgia Tech game is always fun. It's, it has not been anything that's that's been a contest the last decade. But while we were in college, it really was. I mean, I remember the fifty one forty eight game that we were all at. I remember another game that I went to with Sean, Dana, and Kara. And uh, Sean got in a fight in the Tech student section, and we had to. Uh, we, ended up, we ended up in a, in a suite, um, at Georgia Tech eating like, you know, briskets and ham, which was, which was kind of random, but was fun. Um, I don't know, something fun. We, you know, Lawrence, we smuggled in, Brian Mathis smuggled in a 12 pack of beer one time in there. We sat in the second row. Mathis had a 12 pack of beer in his jeans. Um, I was not at the Jasper Sanks that was not a fumble game, but I think even if you listen to guys like Joe Hamilton now, they're, they're thankful that there was an instant replay back then. Um, we had the 51-7 drubbing, I think it was like one of Mark Rick's first years. Oh, Southside Steve's daddy. Southside Steve's daddy. Um, we've had, uh, gosh, you know, the last couple of years have just been total butt kickings. This, I mean, haven't even been competitive ball games. Um, but, man, it's, it's uh, you know, we had Reggie Ball throwing the ball out of bounds on fourth down to lose the game. It's just a very memorable moments. Um, and it's also, you know, because, because that's Georgia Tech, they're in our backyard and we got lots of friends that root for Tech. We're obviously dog fans. Uh, the shit talking is great. I mean, I remember in Athens when Friedgen and, uh, and uh, O'Leary came in and Godsey, George Godsey ran for a 50-yard touchdown and they beat the brakes off of us back when it was a competitive rivalry. Uh, but I always look forward to this game at the end of the year. It's usually cold. It's fun. Um, and uh, as 36 and a half point favorites this year, I'm expecting us to dominate once again. I'm going to take the other side. I do have fun going to it. I am going this weekend, but is it a rivalry anymore? I mean, honestly, you know, as we go to a nine game SEC schedule, do we keep tech on? I get historically it always was Georgia tech was relevant. You know, they're not. Um, do we need that game on the schedule anymore? I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, I'd li- I'd like to keep it for selfish reasons. Um, sure, exactly. you know, I enjoy I enjoy my rivalry with the locks. Uh, I know Stein, you and Garnett, you get a little bit of back and forth going with it. Um, I think it's a good way to end of the end of the year. The, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a nice it, thing. Uh, program. I get that, um, but but it's going to be interesting though. You know, you're only going to have three out of conference games. So, uh, what happens? Do you ever schedule the Oregon to start up the season? Or does that go away and you play, you know, Murray State and, you know, McNeese State and then Tech, right? That's kind of boring. Uh, you yeah. are picking up Texas and Oklahoma and you're adding another SEC game. But it'll be interesting to, to see what happens. Um, I, I like it because I live 15 minutes from, from uh, Grant Field. And so when, when, you know, it's in Atlanta, it's really easy to get to. But um, I, I, I can take it or leave it. So, Lawrence, you mentioned the spread, 30-something crazy points. I mean, I would typically – 
say this is a 50-burger game for Georgia, to me, if, if Coach 404 was still there, I think that Kirby would drop a 50 on him. Um, I don't know if he's got a relationship with Keith from back at Alabama, if they serve on the same <laughs> staff. If, if so, that's usually the time when Kirby, you know, if he likes the guy, takes a little bit of uh, the higher road and calls off the dog. So, so to yeah, me, they know each other from playing against each other. Brett Key was at Tech when Kirby was at Georgia. They know each other from the Alabama game, Alabama days. Um, I just don't know. I mean, I think it's like a 42 to three game. I think if you were to look at it, right, um, 75% of the wagers right now per action network are on Georgia Tech plus 36 and a half coming out off a big win against UNC. So I'm kind of leaning towards Georgia being being the pick to cover. I just don't see Tech scoring against us with the other third and fourth string quarterbacks. And my take on it is I think Kirby might want to come out hot and let uh, Stett throw the ball a little bit, maybe get into a little rhythm, right? But then I think we're going to shut it down. Um, I think, again, everyone's going to play. You will not see Stetson Bennett in the second half. You will not see Jalen Carter in the second half. Uh, but they're going to run – I think they will run an offense with the second, third string, the cheerleaders that get in the game. They might run an offense. So it's a, it's a weird one. I don't know how to really handicap it with, with 36 and a half points. But I tend to agree with you, Lawrence. I think it's a, a 42, 45-3, 45-6 game, something like that. Can't argue with that. Lawrence, what you got in terms of your projections for your bets and the sucker bet? I think did pretty well last week. I'm sure so, you'll remind uh, us. Yeah, uh, Baylor covered the, the plus three. So I think that runs the record up to seven and three. The other games that I called out or highlighted were South Carolina covering plus 22. They, they outright win. Uh, I did think that Kentucky was going to cover last week against the 22 and a half against Georgia. And also, I also reached out and saw the Georgia Tech get uh, plus 22 against UNC. So the uh, Larry's Losers had a good week. Um, and now looking at the games this week, we're in rivalry week, right? So there's a lot of big numbers out there. Um, LSU is minus nine and a half versus the Mets. Not taking the Mets, but 92% of the wagers are on LSU right now. So that's looking good. South Carolina is a heavy public favorite right now. They're plus 14 and a half versus Clemson. Michigan's plus seven and a half versus Ohio State, which seems like a big number in a, in a rivalry game. Already mentioned the Georgia Tech game. And then Auburn is also a heavy public favorite. They're getting 22 in the Iron Bowl, which is typically a close competitive game. But I'm going to go back to our friends out west in the Pac-12. UCLA is minus 10 versus Go Bears. The Bears are atrocious. They did beat Stanford last week to win the, uh, what, the Golden Axe or whatever they call it. Uh, 99% of the bets right now are on UCLA minus 10 versus Cal. And so with my in-laws coming in this week for Thanksgiving, I'm pulling for the Bears. And UCLA is the sucker bet, and the Bears are going to cover the 10 points. Yeah, I'll take the, I don't think there's a chance in hell that that happens. <laughs> so what are we locking in at? 10? Cal plus 10. All right, so I'm on the other side of that. Well done. Uh, hey, Patty, hopefully you're listening to this and see that your son-in-law's got your back. Might make for a smoother Thanksgiving dinner, right? Hey, man, as long as, as, long as we can eat the turkey and, uh, and keep politics out of it, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I like it, Gans. Jimbo of the week? Yeah, this was a tough one this week because there were very uh, uneventful games. But at the suggestion of some others, we're going to do a little retroactive Jimbo. Uh, and that would be to the Tennessee fan base. Um, congratulations for hyping yourself up 
into total oblivion. I hope you enjoy the disappointment. And uh, the fan base in general, including um, one Clay Travis, are the Jimbo of the Week. Is this the second or third fan base to win the award? It, it's I, I enjoy it. There's a lot of stupid people there. Did y'all see Vanderbilt's attempt at storming the field over the weekend? <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was more like a saunter than a storming, uh, but they are going to get fined by the SEC, which is so damn funny. But you know what? Congrats, Bandy. That's two SEC wins in a row against Florida. They, they beat Florida. Um, you know, how are you feeling as a Florida fan when you're one of Billy Napier? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think he's a. There were at the beginning of the season people like, oh, Billy Napier can take over for Saban when he leaves. I don't hear anyone in Tuscaloosa mentioning his name. Uh, I, I don't know, right? I don't know how, how they feel. Uh, they, at times they have looked good, right? Um, they were starting to trend in the right direction, and then you get your ass kicked by by Vanderbilt. They probably lose to Florida State. Larry, you got a line on that one? Did you cover it? I, I, um, I don't have it. Uh, I can look it up for you real quick. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll I think it's like eight and a half or nine and a half. It's a bigger number than I thought it would be. Yeah. I'll point out as a microcosm just for our little show. I mean, we spent the first couple of weeks with some AR-15 talk and some Florida talk, and it doesn't even register on the radar anymore. Like, we don't even, like, consider that as something that's that's worth 30 seconds. Also, your boy Jermaine Burton doesn't get any more airtime anymore either because it's just it's just not relevant anymore. He actually had a good game this weekend, and I will give him credit. He he, he went for over 100 yards uh, for the first time this season, which he did a few times in Athens. Shit, I think he had 200 yards in the game in Athens. Uh, I believe it was against Mississippi State. But he, he did have a good game, so we'll give him a little due there. But I, I, I'd be remiss if I did not bring up the, the New York Mets of college football. Uh, and, and actually, I feel bad calling them that because the Mets don't shit the bed this bad. Uh, they won this week against UMass. And I believe it was 20 to 7 or something like that. It was pathetic. Um, Coincidentally, there was 20 fans in the stadium to see it. 20 fans. It's to the point now, and I will cover this for a second. His bias is $86 million. We talked about this ad nauseum. It only goes down to $76 million next year. Okay? I did not come up with this. We've heard this before. But the whole Hitman thing really might be a, a, a decent thing. I also heard somebody else. I can't remember where I heard it. It might have been on one of the other podcasts I listened to. That I think it was on, on the UGA Sports one. They said uh, the, the the best thing that could happen to Texas A&M is West Virginia fires their pays. West Virginia gets Texas A&M to pay the buyout for their current coach to, to fire him, which is like $20 million bucks, And then with the gentleman's agreement that they'll take Jimbo off Texas A&M's hand. And Texas A&M's today is like $66 million, Something like that. I can see the dominoes falling. It's not going to get any better. You're going to see, you know, they had that great recruiting class this past season that they, you know, spent ungodly amounts of money on. Half those kids are going to portal out, right? Half those kids are going to portal out. I can see Georgia picking up a couple that we were in the mix for. Things are going to get shittier. Things are going to get worse there. And you've got Jimbo Fisher from here to eternity. By the way, there's another Jimbo of the week is the reporter from Mississippi who uh, dropped dropped the breaking news or the the spoiler alert that Lane Kiffin was leaving Ole Miss uh, for the Auburn job, even though an offer hasn't been officially ex- uh, officially offered or accepted. And then Lane Kiffin proceeded to put him in a body bag that was via awful. Twitter, um, which is pretty damn funny. But Gans, I cannot find a line on Florida Florida State. The game's actually on Friday this yeah. year um, at seven thirty, and it looks like it's currently off the board. So let's uh, Joey, why don't we go on record here? Who do you guys think the next Auburn coach is? 
I still think Hugh Freeze. I'm gonna. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I think it's Lane Kiffin, unless it's similar to like the Saban to Texas uh, deal a few years ago, where essentially he had accepted the offer and then the news broke and he back he backed out of it. Uh, maybe Lane Kiffin had verbally accepted it and then it got leaked and he's like, well, screw that. I'm not doing it now. Um, I'm gonna say it's gonna be Lane Kiffin. Too much smoke on that conversation. I, I think it's Hugh Freeze. Also, I think that that's actually a good fit. I mean, I, honestly, I don't care. Um, and Lane Kiffin could go there. I mean, he'd be stupid too. Eight and four keeps you as a god in Oxford. Um, we've gone through all this. I don't see it getting done. I think a lot of it is is you know him getting a pay raise, him getting a bigger buyout at Ole Miss. So we'll see. I don't really care. We'll see. All right, guys. Gans, I will say I appreciate your honest reporting on Jermaine Burton, but please add it was against what Austin P. Yeah, that they played. So it was sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not throwing rose petals at JB quite yet. Um, all right, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanksgiving week. Enjoy your travels. Enjoy the in-laws. Enjoy the turkey. All of it. Um, Athens should be great this weekend. Go dogs! Thank you all for listening. Till next time, keep chopping. Happy Later, boys. Thanksgiving. Go dogs. Go bears. <laughs> 